Today's reading is from Mark chapter 11, from verse 13 up to 25. Seeing the distance of fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if he had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard, from, heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of his money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow any of them to carry out merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will not be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. May the Lord bless these words in our hearts. of scripture uh, that Mary's read out for us today, and I uh, just want to share a few thoughts from that uh, this morning. Uh, my title is The Barren Fig Tree in the House of God. Um, it's not the message that I had planned to bring today, um, and uh, I'll explain a little bit about that. The message that I want, wanted to bring, I still need to share uh, with our senior leadership team before I bring it uh, to the whole church. And uh, our last senior, le senior leadership team meeting we missed because of various situations, circumstances. Uh, so I just want to share some things with them first. But here's the thing. See, as I was thinking about that message that I want to bring, do you know what? It was just kind of like this battle going on in my mind. This is a load of rubbish. This is a load of rubbish. This is a load of rubbish. And when I was preparing that, I was like, this is really exciting. This is God speaking. But later on in my head, I was like, this is a load of rubbish. This is a load of rubbish. You know, just this ongoing battle to actually bring what I feel is the Word of God for this church. Um, and so, I really ask that you pray uh, for me as I prepare uh, for the messages that I bring on a Sunday. Um, I really feel God has been speaking to my heart quite a lot uh, of late. And uh, I, I really feel this is also a word in season for the church. And, uh, you know, it's more than that, as I hope you'll see. Uh, it's a word about focus, it's a word about faith, and it's a word about fruit. And uh, let's just pray uh, before we delve into the Word of God. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Jesus, who is the, the living embodiment of Your Word. Father, He is the one who uh, we look at. If we want to know what, G what God looks like, we look at Jesus. 
Father, we thank you that he is the one who was in the beginning with you. Father, he is the one who, when you said, let there be light, that there was light. Father, he was instrumental in the creation of everything that we see. Everything is sustained by him. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. But thank you, Father, that this word has been written down for us. The, the words that have been recorded that Jesus spoke have been written down for us thousands of years later. And Father, we just pray that as we open it up today, as we meditate on as we meditate on it, that you'd really speak to our hearts, Father, and uh, Father, that you'd receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, let me just read a little bit before I go on to talk about it. It's broken down into three different sections, okay? There's the disciples going to Jerusalem, there's the disciples in Jerusalem in the temple, and then the disciples coming back out along with Jesus. So, there are three different areas that we've read in the passage, three different ways we can break it down. And uh, the first part is when they're coming in, and it says, seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out, that's Jesus, if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. And he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Unbelievable, eh? It wasn't the time for figs on the tree. And yet Jesus went expecting to find figs in the tree. And when he didn't find figs in the tree, he cursed the tree. So, well, we'll read, we'll read later what happened in suspense. <laughs> Why did Jesus curse the fig tree for not having fruit when it was not the season for fruit? This is the question that occupied my mind as I read this passage during the week. As I meditated, meditated upon it, it was like, this, is, this isn't fair. You know, Jesus, you're not being fair, poor wee tree. But here's the thing, Jesus always has a reason for everything that he does. There's always a reason. And you might not understand the reason why things are happening in life the way they are, but Jesus has a purpose in everything that he does. And I believe that this passage that Mary has read for us and that we're going to dip into as we go through this message there are three things that I want to, to just kind of point out. First is the vital nature of being focused, which is all about place. It's, it's where we are, it's what we see, what we're focused on. The vital nature of faith and prayer is one of the primary expressions of faith. And then the vital nature of fruit, which is the possession of life and growth. Firstly, let's look at focus, seeing in a distance. Here they are coming into Jerusalem, and they see this tree in a distance. Now, I don't have my distance. These are my reading glasses, okay? I need to take these off when I'm driving the car because I need to be able to see in the distance. And when I put these on, I need to be able to see here. Seeing in the distance is different from seeing close up. And it says in the text there that as they went closer to it, then they were able to see the detail. It's all about place. It's all about where you are. Where are you in your life today? Where are you in relation to the things that God wants to show you? Where are you today? It says that they got up close, seeing close up. When you get close up to things, you're able to see the details. So, I've got my reading glasses on. I can't see the details out there, okay? But I can see more than you think I can. So, just behave, okay? <laughs> But it's when we get up close to things that we see the detail. 
I'm finding that I need a lot more light to be able to see the details these days. Uh, part of getting older, I think. Um, and sometimes I need that light shone on things. And this is what Jesus does in this situation. He brings a light and shines a light on this situation. He comes up to the tree and he's looking specifically for fruit on the tree. He wants something to eat, practical. But here's the problem. The tree was all foliage and no fruit. I wonder what Jesus sees when he sees us from a distance, but he also sees us close up. And here's the thing. Jesus is able to look right into our heart and he's able to see every part of who we are. He's able to see the detail of our lives. Jesus is able to read the detail of our thoughts. Isn't that scary? Is it? Is it just me that's scared by that? I'm in the right place today. I'm a, is there a congregation here today? <laughs> he's able to understand the details of what goes on in here and what goes on in here, and he's looking for fruit in our lives. The question is, are we all foliage and no fruit? Jesus commands us to remain in Him in order that we bear fruit. John 15, 4 says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Me. Apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. Apart from Him, we can't bear fruit. Apart from Him, we may look good from a distance, but get close up, and there's a very different scene. I wonder, are we the type of people who come into church and when people look at us from a distance because they don't really know us that well, that they go, oh, that person looks great. They've got it all sorted out. They've got their hands raised in worship, all this kind of stuff. And yet inside, there are problems. Inside, as you pointed out in that word, Steve, inside there are chains holding us down and pulling us back and stopping us from being all that God created us to be. And Jesus arrives at this tree, and He finds that it's all foliage and no fruit, and He's disappointed. Why? Simply because He's looking for fruit. And I just wonder, sometimes do we need to trim back some of the foliage of our lives in order that we can be fruitful, productive? You see, I think sometimes we can be so busy with the wrong things that bearing spiritual fruit doesn't happen. There are so many things that we can fill our lives with. I could fill my life with activity easily. I've sp spoken to even people this week who are now retired, and they say, what did, how did I ever manage to work? We're just so busy, we do all these things. We can fill our lives with so many things that don't lead to fruit-bearing foliage and not fruit. We can, so be, we can be so busy with the wrong things in church life as well that the same problem happens. We can be so bu busy that we miss the point. And Jesus curses the tree. The power of words. The power of words. And we'll read in a wee second what actually happened to the tree. Speaking to a tree... Imagine speaking to a tree. Well, somebody else is cuckoo as myself. 
And the disciples overhear Jesus speaking to a tree. And I wonder what went through their minds. They're like, did we really do the right thing when we laid down our nets and started following this guy? He's talking to a tree because it doesn't have fruit on it. And then the story moves on. We move into the second stanza in the text. This is kind of like the meat in the sandwich, or if you're vegetarian, it's the lettuce in the sandwich, okay? <laughs> Just try and be inclusive. It says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The story changes tack here. Jesus has now entered the temple. He sees something. He's now close up. He's in the temple, and He sees things happening in the house of God that are not right, and He challenges it. Boy, does He challenge it. He overturns the money changers' tables. It even says in one of the other gospels that He takes a whip. He makes a whip, and He he drives them out. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, turning over tables, driving people out of the house of God. You see, the Old Testament, there's this little phrase in it that says, zeal for your house will consume me. This was a fulfillment of prophecy that had been prophesied centuries before. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus saw things happening in the house of God that were not right. And the word that it uses here, it talks about a den of robbers. And the original Greek language has a very negative connotation. The word that uh, it's sometimes translated as is a cave, a hiding place. And it's the same place that's used to describe the burial place of Lazarus, a cave, a dark place, a cold place. Jesus doesn't want the church to be a hiding place. Jesus doesn't want the church to be a dark and cold, and impersonal place. Jesus doesn't want the church to be a place of death. It's a place of life. It's a place of fruit. It's a place of warmth, and we should feel that warmth from each other in our relationships. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't find what He was looking for. He didn't find life. And I sometimes wonder if religious activity with the wrong motivation can rob God of His glory and us of our blessing. Religious activity with the wrong motivation robs God of His glory and robs us of His blessings. We can fill the life of the church with foliage and stuff that might look good from a distance And people could say, have you heard about that Pentecostal church, what they're doing? And it can all be foliage and no fruit. And we need to be challenged by that. Jesus, it says, upset these money changers. Why? Because they had set up their marketplace in the court of the Gentiles. That's our place in the temple. That's our place. 
we are Gentiles. We are non-Jews who have been saved. And when Jesus says, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, He's talking about you and I coming into God's presence and offering up those prayers. God's mission all along is to reach the nations, to welcome in those from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah. He says, that is God, it is too small a thing for you, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, Jesus. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Not only Israel, but us as well. It's too small for this salvation message to be contained to one nation, the nation of the Jews into which Jesus was born. But for all nations, to the ends of the earth. And speaking of Jesus, the prophet Micah writes, He will stand and shepherd the flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach where? The ends of the earth. Micah 5 4. And in Revelation, the revelation of Jesus that he gave to John. In chapter 7, verse 9, we read this, that he saw a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, every nation, every people, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb that is God's heart is to reach the nations, not just this nation, but every nation. God's heart is for the church and always has been to go where Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the world. And when the church lost sight of that mission, Jesus brought persecution into the church. He allowed it to happen so that the church was scattered and went their own way. But as they went, they took the message with them. Listen to this. This is today's statistic from the Joshua Project website, that there are 17,104 people groups and 7,162 are unreached. That's 41.9% of the people groups in our world today remain unreached. You know, we talk about the Lord coming back, and we look at the state of the world, and the way things are going, and we think, He's coming back soon. But there's another side to this, because it says when this gospel when this message is preached in every nation, then the end will come. Then the Lord will return. 41.9%. We're a wee bit off it, don't you think? We're kind of missing the mark as the church. We're not there yet. Maybe Jesus is the one in the back of the car saying, are we nearly there yet? <laughs> are we nearly there yet? I'm waiting to come back. Will you just hurry up and go on with it? Seriously, we pray and ask God to do things for us, and He's saying, I'm waiting on you. Get on with it. I've given you the Word. I've given you my Spirit. I've given you the power. I've given you the ability to pray for people and to see things happen that are miraculous. He's just waiting on us to get up off our bums and do something. Seriously. Asking God to do it all when He's saying, you've got it. 
you're equipped. My goodness, how many translations of the Bible are there in English? I don't know, countless. There are some languages where they have no translation. There are some languages where they have one book translated into their language, one book. And they rejoice when they get the gospel, when they get the Word of God in their language. They're jumping up and down for joy. And we can have umpteen copies on our bookshelves and access to it. I can access every English translation I want on my iPad. Every English translation, and even Spanish and this, that. I don't speak Spanish, so not much good to me. <laughs> the population of the world is 7.67 billion it's continuing to grow. And 3.19 billion of those people are unreached. God is calling the church to reach the unreached, that His house will be a house of prayer for all nations, a house of prayer. And in this, we recognize the importance of prayer as an act of worship the importance of teaching as an act of worship, the importance of praise as an act of worship, of service and of obedience, all acts of worship, all this to do with what we see. What do we see? From a distance, it might look fine, but start getting close up, and the detail is slightly different. As somebody once said, the devil's in the detail. (laughs) Sometimes it's when we get close up, we see things for what they actually are. So, the first thing is focus, what we're focused on. The second thing is faith. And we move into the third stanza of the text that was read today when evening came. Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Why, when they came back to it, was it totally dead? It's a bit unfair. It's just a daft tree. Why did you curse the tree? Jesus has a reason for everything that he says and for everything that he does. Listen to what Jesus says off the back of that. He says, have faith in God. There's a good way to start have faith in God. And maybe some of us need to hear that basic thing today. Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. The fig tree was withered from the roots. The power of words, remember? Jesus cursed the tree. He spoke out loud. The disciples were close enough to hear it. And now they come back the same way, and they see the fulfillment of what Jesus had said. I want to come back to this church in five years' time and see the fulfillment of what Jesus has said. God has said a number of things over the life of this fellowship, and I want to come back in five years' time and see what God has done through. But let me tell you about fig trees, because I thought about this. How did they know the fig tree 
was all the way down to the roots, rotten, cursed, dead, finished, kaput. How did they know that it had affected the roots as well? I, I just kind of, I get curious about this. And this is what it says, fig roots, uh, roots serve both as a fig tree's anchor and its system to gather water and nutrients, including oxygen necessary for the roots' growth. I didn't know that fig trees needed oxygen in the roots. Given that the twisted branches of the common fig extend as wide as the tree is tall, the fig root system is necessarily extensive. Most fig roots travel parallel to the soil surface. They travel out the way, extending in several directions. In summer, a fig Adam and Eve. That's another feature. Fig leaves, that makes me think of something else. Adam and Eve. That's another story. Fig leaves layer so thickly on the twisted branches that nothing grows in the deep shade of the tree canopy. In winter, the tree's impressive trunk and branches become visible. Fig trees grow as tall as 50 feet, although backyard specimens often stop at half that height. The fruit of the fig comes in two surges, the spring and the fall. You can tell I got this from an American website here. While the root system charged uh, with supporting all this growth extends well beyond the tree's canopy. The roots are important. The fig tree develops a strong, deep tap root to anchor it in the soil, but most of the other principal roots are horizontal, running near the surface of the soil. The fig roots descend up to 12 inches before changing direction. An extensive, shallow root system allows the tree to profit from any available precipitation. That means rain. I'm sure you know that. But creates extreme sensitivity to drought and to stress, to drought stress. I wonder if God was comparing us to fig trees today, and He might just be. We need to maybe realize that actually our roots are more visible than we think they are. They're more visible than we think, and our roots are sensitive to drought stress. There's this analogy used throughout the Scripture about the Holy Spirit being like water. Come to me, all, you know, Jesus says, come to me, and rivers of living water shall flow out of you, talking about the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in order for our roots to be properly watered, in order for the things that's going on in the depths of our life to really be benefiting us. That was an aside. Fig trees require ample sun, elbow room, and well-drained soil. The sun, listen to this, I love this, the sun enables a tree to produce fruit. That's a physical fig tree. We, if we were like fig trees, need to recognize that we need the sun, the Son of God, shining in our lives in order for us to bear fruit. And this extensive root system needs the oxygen. You see, time has passed. They've been in the the city. They've been in the temple. They've watched what Jesus has done. They've come back, and now they've saw the tree wither. Time has passed. It says when evening came, and they go back to the same spot. And Jesus is intentional about everything that He does. It says that as they went along the way, they saw. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots, non-reversible. And we've talked about how 
we can see the roots. We describe that above. And they see it and they shout out, look, look at the tree. And as I thought about this, why did Jesus curse the fig tree? It seems unfair. But in the cursing of the fig tree and of the fulfillment of the word of Jesus over this tree, there is a practical, visible, tangible faith lesson. The disciples see something coming to pass, otherwise that they wouldn't have seen. And they have faith in Jesus. They realize that Jesus can do what He says He will do. And why is this important? It's important because the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because our lack of faith is what makes God small, when in actual fact, He's far from small. God is unquantifiable. Our lack of faith makes God small. It makes God, God with a small g, another idol. And yet we ask ourselves today, is God the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-present creator, sustainer of all life through the whole universe? Thank you. Does He love us? Does He have a plan for us? I'm liking this. Is He interested in every aspect of our lives? Does He ask us to cast all our cares on Him? Does He know our needs before we even ask Him? Is He able to fulfill this church for your life? Is He able to fulfill His Word over this church? The church, the global church? Yes, He is. Does He have an overarching plan that He's calling us into? Do you know what that plan is? Do you know how you fit into it? Sorry, these are rhetorical now. You don't need to answer. <laughs> Do you know where you fit into the body of Christ? Do you know what God is calling you to? Do you know what your plan and purpose is, His plan and purpose is for your life? Can we trust Him with our lives? Can we trust Him with our deaths? Can we trust Him to meet our practical and physical needs? Is He a healer? Sure is. Is He the one who fills us with the Holy Spirit? Is He the one who has made the first move to bring about the means of our salvation, opening up the way for a relationship with the divine, the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I need to say that one again? Was it too long? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let me think about that. I think so. Yes, the answer is yes. He has made the way possible for us to have a relationship with God. Was it in fact God who died on the cross for our sins, and are we in fact forgiven? Yes, 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 and yes, the answer is all yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And He asks us to have faith in this. We can say yes all we like in here, and when the situation comes, we go, whoa, where's God? He's right here beside me because He said He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me, and I'm going to trust Him today, whatever that situation is in your life. The answer is yes. The opposite of faith is doubt. 
and doubt can creep in during the seasons of drought and dryness. So easy for that to happen. But what does Habakkuk say? Listen to this. For those of you who are old enough, you will remember the song. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there be no grapes on the vine. I'm tempted to sing. <laughs> Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God uh, in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Incredible. Though everything around us appears as if it's falling apart, Though there is not the signs of life and fruit that we would expect, even in that season, God expects us to be fruitful. And sometimes the fruit that He's looking for in that season is just for us to hold on to Him and to continue believing and say, I'm trusting. Yet listen to the start of Habakkuk's prayer. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I don't want a repeat of yesterday. I want something new. I want something fresh. I want what God has for our generation today. And the last thing, and time really is marching on, and it'll be a lot quicker because this is only like a, it's only that much. Okay. The third thing, focus faith, and fruit. The, fundament, the fundamental nature of prayer is so important in this. The fundamental nature of what we say, our confession, our witness is so, so important. And we've not to doubt, but to believe. And then there's the vital nature of asking. Luke chapter 11 says this, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I'll tell you the one prayer that God's never going to answer. There is one prayer that He's never going to answer, and it's the one that's never said. So many times we think of things and it's wishful thinking rather than prayer. But it needs to go from here into here because believing is vital to what we're talking about. And the last thing that it talks about in this passage is that we need to be right in the asking, and it's the vital nature of forgiveness. And Jesus said, when you stand praying, He's used this whole thing, the barren fig tree, cursing the fig tree, being in the temple, doing all the things he did in the temple, surprising people, coming back out, they see the tree, Jesus is able to do exactly what he says he does, and then he starts to talk to them about prayer. If you say to this mountain, be removed, then it will be thrown into the sea. Who's facing a mountain today? Who's facing, facing, sorry, <laughs> rewind. Who's facing a mountain today? That mountain could be all sorts of things. That mountain could be grief. That mountain could be financial. That mountain could be a mental health issue. That mountain could be 
a physical health issue. That mountain could be a relational issue. It could be anything. And Jesus says, you need to speak to the mountain. You need to declare to that mountain, be gone and be cast into the sea. Thank you for that encouragement there. You agree. <laughs> be gone. The power of our words, of our confession. If all we do is look at the mountain and go, what am I going to do about that? I can't get around that. I can't claim that. I've not got the energy for that. And sometimes we're in that place. Spiritually, our resources are kind of like getting a bit depleted, and you're like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And we look at the mountain, and we go, might as well just go back to bed. And sometimes we feel like that. And sometimes, sometimes the easiest thing is to turn our back in the mountain and go, I'm, I'm off. But Jesus is saying you need to speak to the mountain. Jesus is saying you can see it, you can focus on it, but you need to have faith. You need to speak in faith to that mountain. And I really feel that God is saying today that He wants faith to rise in this place. He also says that when you stand praying, if there's anything that you need to forgive, then do it while you're praying in your heart. And it's about getting rid of the rubbish that's in our lives and dealing with that and allowing God to move in. Let's just stand. We're going to pray because uh, time is marching on. Musicians, if you could come back up. I'm going to close off our time in prayer and uh, really listen to what God wants to say to us today. Father, for some of us today, some of us, we just need to focus in on who you are, to worship you and to continue saying positive things into our situation, not just because we're practicing the power of positive thinking. Father, we're, we're making that declaration that you are who you say you are. Father, we're making that declaration that we're putting you on your throne and Father, we, we, we sing that song, and as we worship, build a throne. And Father, there's that sense in which as we worship you, as we allow these words to come out of our mouths, Father, we build a throne for you to come and take your rule and uh, authority in our lives and in our church as well. And Father, we just pray that in our praise and our worship, we build a throne for you, that you would have number one place in our lives. And Father, for those who really need to refocus again, Father, for those who uh, have had the wrong glasses on for a while, maybe. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to focus, focus in on Jesus. Father, your word tells us to keep looking to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who sustains us. He's the one who gives us life. And Father, for some of us, we need to focus and refocus on, on who you are and how great you are. And Father, for some of us, uh, faith needs to rise within our hearts. Father, we just need to get ourselves right with you. And we need to allow that faith to rise up where faith has been ebbing and doubt has crept in. And Father, we just pray that faith would rise in our hearts today.
And Father, for some of us, some of us are, well, maybe we've got too much foliage and not enough fruit in our lives. And Father, we need to take some steps to trim back some of the things that are in our lives, things that are stopping us from really being the people who you want us to be, things that are maybe looking good from a distance, but when you get close up, it's all foliage and no fruit. And Father, we just pray, give us the wisdom to know what to do about that. And Father, it might be the same for this church, Lord, that there are things which are part of the life of the church, which are all foliage and no fruit. And Lord, you come looking for fruit. Jesus, you come looking for fruit in our lives, in our church. Father, regardless of the season that we're in, you come looking for fruit. And Father, maybe today for some of us, that fruit is just about being surrendered to you, totally surrendered. And Lord, we just pray that you come and that you would move upon us. Maybe there are some people in here today who don't know Jesus. They don't know this Jesus that we've been hearing about this morning. And he's just saying to you that he is who he says he is, that he knows you, that he has seen you from before the day you were born, and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future a good plan for your life. He has an eternal destiny for you that is in relationship with himself as opposed to being eternally separated from him. And he invites you in today. He's inviting you in today. And just as we stand, I just ask that everybody would close their eyes just so that we can have some privacy in this moment just for 30 seconds longer. And I just want to put out that invitation that if you're not a Christian in this place today and you want to be, then stick up your hand and I'll see it. Put it back down. Is there anybody in here today who wants to respond to that? Father, we just pray that you continue to speak on into our hearts long after the service is finished. And Father, we just pray, help us to just stay connected to you in order that we might hear your voice that we might know what to prune back. Father, hear your voice in order that we can put our hope and trust in it and have faith. And Father, that we would be a fruitful people, Lord, bearing all sorts of fruit. Maybe we'll talk about that another time because it's such a, a wide topic to consider about the fruit that you look for in our lives. And so, Father, we just pray fruitfulness over each of the lives of the people in here today and over this church. And Lord, as we praise you again, as we take up our tithes and offerings, Lord, we, we just pray that it would be an act of worship to you this morning and that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's